here at Woodstock Farm Sanctuary with Jenny Brown. So last time I was here was the blessing of the animals and uh, this current vegan radio show that I recorded, or that we recorded live yesterday, I made a little intro with the blessing of the animals, but I didn't really put it into any context, so our our FM listeners were probably a little uh, <laughs> baffled by what it was all about, because I don't think I even mentioned Woodstock Sanctuary, so I wanted to uh, record a little audio clip to accompany that yep. the podcast so our, our podcast listeners at least will know what's going on. Those Tibetan lamas, they're from a local monastery called KTD Monastery, which is a really well known, well established Tibetan Buddhist yep. monastery. And the Dalai Lama just visited them. Exactly. He was just here the week before. So the Lama that came actually brought rice that had been blessed by the Dalai Lama and, and he we sprinkled made a big it stir fry that night with tofu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dalai Lama tofu stir fry. <laughs> um, but basically they uh, the llamas that were here did a, a whole ceremony and I can't think of the in what Buddhist name they did it in right. but he's uh, you know one of the patron pa- patron saints of Buddhism I guess. <laughs> Buddhism is it a uh, Avalokiteshvara? <laughs> it's Buddhism, actually, not Buddhism. <laughs> <laughs> Buddhism anyway, is practiced more frequently. Not to make <laughs> <laughs> not to make light of it. It was a really beautiful ceremony, and they they came and did a whole series of prayers and chants. And uh, it was in our goat and sheep barn, and we had hay bales lined in there. We brought all the goats and sheep in. The turkeys were in there. Dylan the calf was in there. And uh, probably about 40 visitors. We had major rains that day. But the, the llamas came in their scarlet robes. And the visitors, a lot of them had their companion animals with them. Brought their companion animals. And it was and everybody was, all the animals were so well behaved. It's like they yeah. knew it was a day for them. And so there was, there was chanting and prayers, all done in um, Tibetan. And then the llamas went around and sprinkled grains of rice on the animals that weren't in the barn. And it was beautiful, and people really, really enjoyed it. Thank you, Jenny. You're welcome. And everyone, come on out to Woodstock Farm Animal Sanctuary. Visit us online at woodstocksanctuary.org. Yep, and uh, make a donation because they, they need some money to keep this place going. Yeah, wintertime, extra hay, higher electricity cost, extra bedding, feed, because there's no pasture grazing. And 20 new chickens. And 20 sweet can, new so chickens. So can people adopt these chickens? No. no. Actually, these guys are so special needs that they, they just well, can't I mean, like adopted. adopt by sponsoring them? Yes. You can absolutely sponsor one of these birds and get a little card with their picture and a rescue story, and um, and that's a really wonderful way to support us. Awesome. All right, well, stay tuned. Our vegan radio podcast number 24 is coming up next. Vegan radio, because the animals are listening, too. So, Jenny Brown, what kind of event do we have going on here? We have a Buddhist... Uh, a ceremony which is uh, all about blessing our animals today. <laughs> Come on back in. We're, we're ready to go. What kind of animals? It's a blessing of our farm animals. Are the dogs and cats going to be blessed? Dogs and cats are going to be blessed as well. All companion animals and animals of the world. All the animals of the world? Yeah, we're going to bless them. All right. You're going to bless them? Uh, no. <laughs> it's actually... Uh, Lama Tashi Dorji and Kinpo Ugin Tenzin, who is a resident Lama at the Karma Triana Dharma Chakra Monastery in Woodstock. Dharma said that Chakra. Than I could. Thank you. <laughs> we also have Ashley Smith. What are you doing here today, Ashley? I'm I'm experiencing the blessing. I'm going to chant. <laughs> Listeners, we bless the animals, and now we're going to bless you with another edition of Vegan Radio. Vegan Radio. Woo-hoo. You ready, Megzy? I think so. You ready, Scotty? No. <laughs> uh, all right. 
Who do we got on the show? We got Amy Breeze Harper. The Sister Vegan Project. Amy went and checked out some uh, video at PETA.com about um, comparing slavery and the Holocaust and other forms of uh, human oppression with animal oppression, and she was inspired to start this project. Okay, so we're going to hear from her. We also have musical guest, Matana Roberts. She's a saxophonist, composer, improviser, and she tries to expose music... The mystical roots and spiritual traditions of African mystical roots and spiritual right. tra- traditions of African Americans. And finally, we are going to talk about the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act, a new bill that has been uh, thrust upon us by the Senate in their last uh, in their last minute um, putting of abominable bills onto people. <laughs> Help me, Megan. Jesus. <laughs> You better go take a break over in the corner and let me take over. I'm a little, All right. I'm a little worried about your coffee intake today. <laughs> well, first we're first we're going to um, first we're going to announce some events. All right, our current events. What do we got? We have on Saturday, October 21st, the Boston Vegetarian Food Festival from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. This happens at the Reggie Lewis Athletic Center, 1350 Tremont Street in Boston. Um, it's pretty easy to get there if you get on – what is their website? Um, go to our show notes at veganradio.com. We have links to everything. Okay, so you can check out the website there. They have directions how to get there. Um, it's completely free, open to the public. Um, there are speakers. There are tons of free food samples. We're going to be there um, interviewing people for yep. Vegan Radio. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've attended it many years, and it's always Besides the throngs of people that you have to get through. Throngs. Throngs of 10, people. 10,000 people come there. <laughs> it is. It's thousands 10, of people. 10,000 people in one day. So you, there are things to buy. Eating bu- all that yummy vegan food. There are things to buy, but there are also tons of just free food samples given away and great speakers to listen to. So I definitely um, suggest that you attend. Derek and I will be there. It's worth going just for that. Scott, are you going to be there? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, I had such a fun be, time last year. Are you going to be interviewing people? Yes, I am. All right. I'm going to be showing them the... And then you can stay in Boston. Oh, I'm sorry, Scott. Did I cut you off? <laughs> what are you showing them? Derek, you cut everybody off. Showing them some of our vegan radio savvy. All vegan right. radio. Getting the tofu out. Uh, that, so if you stay in, if you live in Boston or if you stay overnight in Boston, you, the next day you can go to the Maple Farm Sanctuary um, f- Fall Fundraising Picnic. And I'll tell you about that because Derek's going to be over in the corner. Derek's going to be over in the corner chewing on a piece of wood. I'm a little wired. I'm I'm pretty excited about this show. So I'm a little overamped here. I should say. So on October 22nd, um, Sunday, the next day, the Maple Farm Sanctuary at 101 North Ave, Menden, Massachusetts. It's a 21-acre farm with goats, pigs, cows, chickens, dogs, and llamas. And they're having a fall. Do they have the Dalai Lama there? I hope so. You're going to need them. They're, they're <laughs> well, that's having, a button I feel like uh, I should meet the Dalai Lama soon. They're having a fall picnic fundraiser from 12 noon to 5 p.m. Sandwiches are provided, but bring a blanket, chairs, and extra food, and it is a $10 donation of cash, or please pay in advance on the website. And there is a rain date for October 29th. But, um, it's if you not going to rain. Well, let's hope not. But if you plan on going to the Boston Vegetarian Food Fest, that would be great to just run on over the next day. To Imagine the if they got tray. all 10,000 people. Off. <laughs> That's what radio does. You talk <laughs> over each other a little bit. Okay. You think you're cool because you can enunciate better than me. But you're not. <laughs> I know. So well, now they're getting down <laughs> to the real deal. I was going to say, imagine if all 10,000 people that were at the uh, Vegetarian Food Fest went to Maple Farm. Well, it would be overrun, but if they all, if they all donated $10. That would be awesome. That would sustain the farm for years to come, maybe. That would be very cool. Now, on to our next event. Oh. <laughs> so. Okay, this is my most favorite current event, and I'm very excited about this. Well, listen. Um, oh, what? Can I cut you off? I guess. Oh, sure. I, I spent all this time last night making this wonderful PSA about it. Oh, so you want to do the PSA so first? So we can just play the PSA, and uh, while we do that, we're going to get Rocky Shepard online. He um, runs a website called stopaeta.org, which is a website aimed um, at getting info out about this bill. The Animal, the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act. Oh, very good. <laughs> 
It's true. It's Vegan Radio's one-year anniversary, and we're having a party to celebrate. Am I going to be invited? (laughs) I don't know if you're a good boy. Join us at Cafe Evolution on Thursday, October 26th at 7 p.m. That's one year from the date we broadcast our first show on Valley Free Radio. Our guest speaker is Kenneth Williams. He's a professional vegan bodybuilder. He's spokesperson for In Defense of Animals Veganism Campaign. And I think that he's living proof that compassion is power and that one doesn't need animal products to attain super strength and exceptional health. Where are we going to get our protein? (laughs) Kenneth is going to tell us all of that. He is going to tell the masses at our big party (laughs) how he got to be such a hunk on a vegan diet. Is he going to tell the masses to get off their... Can you say that? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) The event's free and delicious vegan cake will be provided. Thursday, October 26th at 7 p.m. Join us at Cafe Evolution in Florence at 22 Chestnut Street. And make sure you check out our show, Alternate Thursdays at noon on Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, my God. That was creative genius there. What was that? Creative genius. About? Creative genius. <laughs> at the wee hours of the night, Where'd I do my best work. kids at such a late hour, dude? <laughs> and what was that last noise? I just don't... That was a brontosaurus. I can't, I can't place See, if it. If vegans were around a long time ago, we would have saved the dinosaurs, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we have um, Rocky on the line. Are you there, Rocky? Yes, I am. Excellent. We have about 10 minutes to talk with you about the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you just describe that briefly and then tell us what's going on? Well, uh, as you know, uh, factory farms, vivisection labs, circuses for farms and all that uh, have inflicted unimaginable suffering on animals for quite a long time. And the corporations are now sensing that this uh, movement, the animal rights movement, is affecting their bottom line. Um, let's see, back in 1992, Congress passed the Animal Enterprise Protection Act, which is the predecessor to the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act, and that stated that uh, it's a federal crime to intentionally cause physical disruption for an animal enterprise, causing economic damages exceeding $10,000 or conspiring to do so. So that's been around for about 14 years, and now uh, legislators and animal enterprises uh, feel that that's not an adequate solution. They think that um, activists have found a loophole in the law targeting uh, individuals and companies indirectly related to the animal enterprises, that's the so-called tertiary, uh, secondary and tertiary targets. So uh, this new uh, proposed law, the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act, is to fill the gaps, supposedly. And uh, our position is that this, this law will seriously infringe on the First Amendment rights to free speech and will prevent people from uh, protesting for fear of being labeled, arrested, and prosecuted as a terrorist. Do you think that if the Shack uh, 7 were prosecuted under this law, they would have got a lot worse sentencing? I absolutely do, you know, um, no question about it. They were, I believe, the first people to be tried under the Animal Enterprise Protection Act, mm. and uh, that's and some of them got, like, three years. Right, exactly. Uh, so I think it would have been a, a lot worse. In our notes, it says that um, AETA labels the tactics of Martin Luther King and Gandhi as terrorism and spells out penalties for an, of, an offense involving exclusively a nonviolent physical obstruction of an ant- animal enterprise or business having a connection to or relationship with an animal enterprise that may result in loss of profits but does not result in bodily injury. We got that from your website. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Martin Luther King was a, a big proponent of uh, our advocate for civil disobedience, you know, breaking the law, minor laws to, uh, to make a point and then, of course, be willing to accept the punishment for breaking those laws. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's true. So, um, anyway, we feel also that the criminal conduct outlined in this new bill is already prohibited and as such the law is not needed whatsoever the only thing the only thing it can really do is uh chill you know the animal rights activism by uh, making people afraid that they're going to be prosecuted inappropriately and then they'll have to bear the expense and the uh, trauma related to defending their first amendment rights 
And so this this hasn't been passed yet, but what do we have to do? Well, the Senate has passed the bill, the ver- their version of the bill, and it's in the House of Representatives now as soon as they get back from recess. Uh, so they'll be voting on it. The best thing we can do is call your United States, your United States representative and, uh, and tell them you want them to vote no on this bill. Uh, phone calls probably are the best, but uh, if you go to our website, you can, find, you can find telephone numbers, and there's also uh, ways to email. And what is the bill? It's, is it just the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act bill, or is there a number for the bill? Yes, it's uh, HR, which stands for House of Representatives, 4239. HR 4239. Yes, uh, and it's all on the website, uh, the contact numbers. Uh, there's uh, a, a way you can email efficiently your representatives by just a few clicks. And you, and can, you can also them. send a printed letter through that? There's a, there's a letter that uh, you can modify on the website, and then you click the button and it sends it off to the appropriate uh, representative. That's great. Um, you've got this website up really quickly after it happened. Uh, did you have any forewarning of this to anticipate it, or you just heard about it and put this whole yeah, website? I was at an animal rights conference a few months ago, and I, uh, the first I heard about it, and I, I really became immediately incensed by it. And I do websites sort of for a living, so I figured, what the heck, I might as well throw <laughs> one up and Hopefully it'll help. That's the story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? That's how I got here. I s- <laughs> signed up for a URL, and the next thing I know, I got a radio show. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, By the way, I hear you have a birthday coming up. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, yeah. Uh, in two weeks, we have our twenty, our first anniversary on our 25th show. It's going to be really good. We just announced that a few minutes before you went on. Oh, uh, could I say one, one other thing? There's going to be a joint coordinating meeting in D.C., at uh, 2 p.m. Tuesday, October 17th, for um, any heads of any national animal rights organizations. Uh, the venue will be put up on the website in a day or two where it's going to be held, uh, and we're trying to uh, show a, uh, an organized front, you know, uh, to help us with this. Hmm. Are to we an stop, organization? To stop AETA. <laughs> Vegan Radio? Yeah. We could go there and do The Vegan our... Society in Northampton is. Well, yeah. so they, they want national groups, mm. but I'm sure we could uh, go We need all the support we can get. <laughs> we could go cover it as a story and uh, play it or something. Yeah, that would be cool. We'll yeah. send Megan down there. <laughs> she, likes to, uh, she likes to trounce around D.C. once in a while. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, trounce is not a word. It's drapes, but we'll, drapes, let, trounce? we'll let that one slide. I think trounce is a word. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> oh, well, well, Rocky, thanks a lot for coming on. Um, we'll maybe do a more in-depth show about this a uh, little later, but we we wanted to get the message out um, Keep us as soon in. as possible because this sounds so- like something we really need to uh, group together and combat. Is yep, it's very important. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, once it gets passed, it, it'll be a lot harder to turn back. Exactly. Um, yeah, so uh, thank you very much, everyone. Uh, all, all these links we talked about are in our show notes, or you can go to stopaeta.org. And we want you to contact your U.S. representative to tell them no on Bill. What is it, Rocky? <laughs> HR 4239. HR 4239, no on Bill HR 4239. Thanks a lot, Rocky. Thank you. Take care. Goodbye. All right, listeners. So up next, we have our musical guest. We're going to get her on the line. What's her name, Megan? Who is she? Matana Roberts. She's a... Um, a uh, She's a dynamic saxophonist. <laughs> a dynamic saxophonist. Composer, so improviser. You got to hear a little uh, brief uh, clip of what her music's going to sound like when I was trying to set it up during the interview a minute ago. <laughs> I thought you were trying to find a rim shot. <laughs> Uh, well, I look for my rim shots elsewhere, but so uh, we're gonna play play one of her songs while we get her on the line. The song is, I believe, it's she was in a group called Sticks and Stones, and the song is called Four Thirty, and that's ten minutes past four twenty. So we'll play that for you now. <laughs>
Listening to WXOJLP Northampton 103.3 FM and Vegan Radio. And that was Matna Roberts. Check us on the web at www.veganradio.com. That was, and this is Matana Roberts. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Did I mis- mispronounce your name again? <laughs> no, that was perfect. He's oh, mispronouncing really? everything today, so don't <laughs> take it like personally. Slowed out every syllable. Matana. <laughs> it's yeah. very, uh, it's a very rhythmic name. I like it. Thanks so much. My parents did too. I, I hated it as a kid. But oh, really? Did you get picked on? Or? Oh man. I oh, but now you love it. Everything and it builds now that character. I'm, older, I'm glad, but but uh, it was it was hard. So. Oh, of course. So I found you on uh, MySpace. You you joined uh, Veganica or Vegan Radio. Mm-hmm. Became one of our friends. <laughs> yeah, we, we are friends. <laughs> and uh, and today God. we're doing a show. Uh, we're doing an interview with uh, Amy Breeze Harper, who's doing a Sista Vegan project. Uh huh. And so I thought you would be a great artist uh, to feature. Well, thanks so much. Thanks so much. I really love your playing. It's very free, free flowing, and. Uh, inspirational. Thank you. That makes me feel good. Do you want to talk about? Um, well, first, uh, are you you're a vegetarian, vegan? I'm vegan. I'm a. I guess to be more specific, I, I'm a, a dietary vegan. I, you know, I'm a really strict vegetarian. I don't do dairy. I, I don't do any meat whatsoever. But I, I'm not so hardcore vegan yet, where I'm, you know, not wearing leather shoes and and things of that. I, but I do buy most of my clothes and things secondhand. I try to practice my environmentalism in that way. Um, that's pretty good. Just don't buy any new leather. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, what I, that's what I'm trying to do. And it doesn't, that stuff never really appeals to me anyway. Right. So. Well, you, you're in, uh, are you in Chicago? No, I live in New York, but I'm you're from in New Chicago. York. So you're right near, you can go to Mooshu's anytime. Yeah, I can go to Mooshu's anytime. That's they have right. some pretty, uh, Realistic looking. They have some pretty awesome stuff there. They do. Yeah. Um, do you have any questions, Meg? Well, I would like I'd like to you just to talk about your music a little bit and tell us what what inspires you and who inspires you musically. Okay. Well, I'm a I'm coming out of a jazz saxophone tradition. A lot of my heroes were some of the people that you know most people have heard of, like Charlie Parker, or John Coltrane. Mm-hmm all those folks, but I'm also from Chicago, and Chicago has a really strong jazz and also creative music tradition. I'm a member of an organization there called the Association for the Advancement of Creative Musicians that has people like Henry Threadgill, the Art Ensemble of Chicago, Nicole Mitchell, um, Roscoe Mitchell, people like that, Fred Anderson, and Vaughn Freeman, who's not a member of the AACM, but there's a really strong elder tradition in Chicago as far as music goes, so a lot of those people have inspired me um, over the years. Uh, and then I, you know, I pull a lot of inspiration from non-musical people. I'm a will forever be a big fan of Angela Davis, mm. um, uh, Emma Goldman, uh, Gandhi. Um, <laughs> yeah, his playing, of, man. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Gil Heron, um, in, in, in Tazaki Shange. You know, just creative pe- anybody that's doing anything creative, whether it's not even artistic, it could be scientific, but it's it's creativity. Mm. Any way that I can see some form of creativity, I really get inspired by that kind of stuff. Nice. Do you feel that ties into your spirituality and also uh, your diet? Yeah, you know, it's I've gone up and down. The reason my name is Matana is because my parents were were 
Hebrew Israelites for like five minutes back in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> so five minutes right before for, you were born. For it to be on my birth certificate and my brothers and my sisters. And so, you know, the Israelites, uh, they're, they're vegans. And so we were, I don't know, I don't remember if we were vegan, but we were vegetarian for a little while. And then my parents left that, um, my mother, you know, many years later has gone back to being a non-practicing Catholic, and my father, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> but uh, I, you, you have a tendency to revert back to the things that you remember as a child. A mm-hmm. lot of people will do that. And I was getting to a point where I was just feeling kind of not good health-wise. Um, and I was also actually having a lot of uh, health issues stemming from allergies and things of the sort. And I'd go to the doctor, and the doctor would say, yeah, you know, we're going to give you these drugs and these steroids or whatever, and you'll be fine, be great. I feel worse. And would never once say, oh, did you try cutting out yeah, dairy? Yeah, oh, my God. I you just cut out I dairy, and you're going to feel like, so much better. I was, like, you know, age 8 through, like, 17 feeling, like, going through that with these doctors. Oh, it's hay feet, you know, you're going to have it forever. Then I stumbled upon some books and I started reading about health um, and started reading about veganism and also the predominance of lactose intolerant in African-American community. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have any tests done. I said, okay, well, let me see. If I cut out dairy, how am I going to do that? I love cheese. I love ice cream. I love, you know, right. love all that stuff. But as a saxophone player, I was having a lot of problems. I couldn't get through a concert without, like, reaching for a tissue Wow. Or just, you know, being social with people. I, my pockets were always full of tissue or handkerchiefs or something. It was just getting kind of gross. And so <laughs> I cut out the dairy. Six months later, all those problems were gone. Wow. Everything awesome. was gone. And that really gave me a new meaning for my life in a lot of ways. It made things a lot easier for me. So do you feel that um, the dairy industry, knowing that... Um, African-Americans are mostly lactose intolerant. Do you feel like the dairy industry targeting that um, population with their ads showing famous African-American athletes and musicians and things, do you think that's a form of racism? I'm not sure if I would put, I'm not sure, that's something I need to think about some more. I'm not sure if I would put it as far as being racism, but I would put it as far as, as being irresponsible um, I do a, a uh, I also have a MySpace page called Honey in the Raw, where I talk about health issues affecting me as a struggling artist in New York City, and also some things affecting uh, nutrition in the black community. And the reason that I've chosen to do that is because I'm tired of going into my home community in Chicago, where you know there are like liquor stores on every corner. But to find an organic vegetable, for mm-hmm. me to go get organic vegetables, yep. I have to get on a bus that takes almost two hours to get to the other side of town to shop at, you know, I call Whole Foods Whole Paycheck. <laughs> you know, to shop at Whole Paycheck, yeah. you know, and there's something wrong with that. Yeah. And, you know, the other day I was reading that Puff Daddy or P. Diddy or whatever he's calling himself now is just signed up to be a spokesperson for Burger King. Oh, God. I mean, oh, it's yeah. just like, the, it's the reason a lot of the diseases that exist within the black community exist is because of this access to poor food. Yeah. And I think, I really do believe the way dairy is processed in this country is a, it's a poor food. It's not good for us. And so, you know, yeah. I don't really find it a... It's a carcinogen. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a carcinogen. I, I find it more of it being kind of like a class, classist issue mm-hmm. um, in terms of, you know, making sure that you know, black people are exposed to this, but not exposed to that. Right. Um, like, and every time I go home, you know, the first thing I have to do when I get to my mother's house is go to the grocery store. Right. <laughs> there is nothing in that house I can eat. And I talk to her about it, and she says, well, you know, I would, if you tell me what to buy, you know, I would know. And we go to her local grocery store, and you can't find half of the things, right. not even a quarter of. There's just not access to the yeah, right, there's the not right resources. So I started that other web page. It was originally a blog, but I switched it now to a MySpace page <laughs> because people look at MySpace more. Yeah. yeah. Um, just to have, just to put the resources out there because people are always asking me, family, friends, you know, not about veganism, about vegetarianism, about 
I'm a big yoga person about that sort of sorts of things and the reason I try to keep myself up on alternative ways of, of living and keeping healthy is because it's really it can be cost effective as a struggling artist if you do it right exactly well, you should uh, check out. There's there's a guy in New York City, Wild Man Steve Brills. He can yeah, I've tried to <laughs> sign up for one of his. Uh, we you got could rained eat for out. free. Just hang out in Central Park. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to go on one of those. I mean, the good thing about New York is, you know, outside of it being one of the most toxic and expensive cities in the world, there also are a lot of people doing a lot of really interesting things oh, here yeah. in regards to health and nutrition. Yep. Well, we have to uh, get on to our next interview, okay. um, but you should definitely check out our show. Uh, the next interview is with Amy Breeze Harper, who's doing the Sista Vegan Project. I don't know if yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm, sent you a link to uh, that. I, uh, my essay, one of my essays, I wrote an essay for Herbivore magazine that came out last summer. Oh, really? About being a touring musician and the last issue, yeah, about being a touring musician and trying to be vegan. And she's going to reprint that essay in her book. Oh, oh great. Cool. Well, she has some really uh, pertinent things to say about the issues of tying, um, you know, speciesism and racism and all the other isms together of oppression. Thanks, Matna. Yeah, it was really great to talk Thank to you. you so We're going to play another one of your songs right now, Prelude to a Kiss. Okay, great. And uh, we'll hopefully be seeing you around touring soon. Thank you so much. Yep, have a great day. Take care. All right, we're back, and you're listening to WXOJLP Northampton 103.3 FM. And the sounds you are hearing are Matana Roberts. Matana. Prelude to a kiss. Pipe down enunciator. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that I man. believe we have Amy Breeze Harper on the line. Yep, I'm here. Excellent. That's three for three today. Um, so we want to talk to you about Sista Vegan. What do you want to know? Bring the <laughs> questions on. <laughs> um, well, I guess you could give a brief uh, rundown of the project and how you, um, how you got inspired. Yeah. Uh, sure. Um, let's see. About a year ago, 
I transitioned into veganism. I'm living in the Boston area, and um, I realized I've been living here for about seven years, and I'd never met a black-identified um, vegan woman here. And I also noticed that a lot of my community has crazy reproductive health ailments, um, as well as ailments outside of reproductive health, diabetes, obesity. So um, I started realizing that I needed to explore this further to see the connections between what veganism can offer to black women who are suffering these ailments. Um, and then also, I guess about, I think, September of last year, I went to Black Planet website, and I saw that about 28 people had looked at the PETA advertisement that posited images of animal suffering to um, human suffering. And a lot of, I think, 27 out of 28 participants on that website did not agree with what PETA did in terms of putting black people suffering next to animal suffering. I thought this was really interesting. Um, so I decided to do a call for papers for the Sister Vegan Anthology to bring together the voices of black-identified females practicing veganism to just see how being black and female has um, affected their experiences with health and then seeing how they transitioned to veganism and how they've used that to resist legacies of colonialism and slavery on their health and their bodies, and um, as well as other ways to combat environmental racism, to combat oppression against animals, just kind of bringing it all together. But I did this because I've noticed most of the literature about veganism and animal rights is largely coming from white middle-class America, and that's cool, but I like it to be more diverse. So this is what I hope to add to it as well, is just a more diverse perspective. Um, and yeah, I've always felt that way, and it's it's as a white person, you know, it's kind of hard to figure out ways to you know get the message to the to the African American community without seeming like uh, a outsider or a racist. Yeah. Um, and I and you know, I've, the PETA campaign obviously raised a lot of hackles in the outside world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what I'm trying to do is with this anthology, I'm hoping that the stories that the women contribute will allow me to figure a better way to create a model that is not offensive to the black community. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once I start figuring out what would be a great incentive for these black females to, uh, to embrace veganism, then I can create a model that communicates this effectively. And a lot of what I see, at least in the stories coming to me, is that a lot of the black women didn't initially begin veganism because of animal rights. If anything, it was a way, to, a way to combat the many ailments and illnesses that run rampant in our communities. So that's first um, helped me to figure out, okay, so the model that I'm going to have to develop is going to first start with the health piece first. And then a lot of the women also connected it to ways to combat racism. So if I can kind of bring those pieces in that more hit home to African-American women, I think that's a better way to introduce them to what veganism offers. I wonder if there's uh this is Scotty. Hi. Hello. <laughs> I was wondering if our uh, mystery speaker. Uh, yes, I, <laughs> once in a while I pipe up to say something. Uh, but I you know, I I once uh traveled in Holland and I met uh, a lot of folks from Africa mm-hmm. while there and most of them were vegetarian uh and f- were incredibly healthy, thin, uh uh very vibrant people and uh much nothing, nothing like some some of the Americans and uh, African Americans and various people you see around with our fast foods seeming kind of lethargic and bored and uh, and I was really amazed by the contrast and I wondered if perhaps uh, something in in general like a way of cross cultural sharing uh, from Africa to America might be of benefit. Well, yeah, my call for papers is actually for females of the African diaspora, so you don't actually have to be in America and identify as black. Um, I think three women have contacted me outside of America who are black-identified female vegans. Um, and I would love to get their perspectives of of their veganism. Um, trying to get more of a n- non-American black perspective is kind of difficult. But I hear what you're saying because I know it's not just affecting the black community in America. It's, conf- it's affecting all of Americans. I guess the piece I'm adding to is what does it mean when you're already struggling through sexism mm-hmm. and racism and legacies of slavery. Yeah. And then you've got the dietary piece, too. And then you've got the connections to soul food as 
something that you identify as blackness, but you don't want to dig deeper and see that it might actually be hurting your health. Yeah. So that's what I'm interested in. But I'm sure, I think there's a black Israelite Hebrew community. There are several outside of America that practice veganism. And I would love to actually get women from that community's input to just see how veganism plays into their religion and their lives and their health. Because apparently their, their entire communities are very, very healthy. They don't have the reproductive ailments that black American women have. Well, hopefully uh, when our massive international audience hears this show, they'll, <laughs> you'll be uh, getting overwhelmed with emails. I hope so. <laughs> Who, whose story so far that, um, that you've collected as far as interviews has been most inspirational or most interesting to you? Oh, um, well, I've got two that come off the top of my mind. And um, one is this woman named Adama. She has a website, and she's out of Atlanta, Georgia. And she's been promoting health activism and veganism for I think longer than I've been alive, more than 30 years. And um, she's made the connections that food has to um, just America's desire to keep on looking at everything from a a materialistic point of view. Um, She connects the diet to oppression. She calls it the death foods industry. And her story is profound. And she says that it didn't occur to her in college until maybe after the first or second year that how could she possibly learn about the truth or knowledge from professors that participated in the death foods industry? Mm. So if you're feeding your body these foods um, from animals, she, she calls it the suffering of animals, you know, from the, the pus from milk, like things that should not be in your body and you're eating them. And she's also a proponent against chocolate and alcohol, anything that... Uh-oh. Your not chocolate. Like, she's, she's hardcore. Not my no. chocolate. But she makes those connections. And this was in the 60s. I wow. 60s or 70s. And she just concluded that, you know, if her professors continue eating meat, um, continue drinking milk, how could they possibly really start talking about social justice and truth to her? So I thought that was really profound. Yeah. Um, and, and everyone was kind of disappointed that she didn't continue to graduate school because she just decided... She just wanted to enter education at the bachelor's level and, you know, start promoting health activism in her own community. And she felt she didn't need westernized institutions, um, degrees, to actually make sure that she can do it. She just thought that she had to start engaging in activism now through health and diet. Right. So that was very profound. Um, and I've got another friend who um, she practices veganism she practiced it since she was a little girl because of a lot of the suffering she engaged in and she um sorry she experienced she herself saw directly connected the suffering of animals that she did not want to perpetuate that suffering mm-hmm. and she became very empathetic and sympathetic as a woman of color who went through a lot of suffering very instantly when she saw that you know her suffering is connected to the suffering of the animals so uh, her story is very very amazing and um got a lot of amazing stories yeah. but um and a lot of women have actually submitted poetry as well so. yeah somebody that um i was really inspired by when i was a freshman in college many years ago um was bell hooks oh i love bell she's, she's my number one black feminist there yeah it was like when I, when i read her stuff i was like that you know how you know you're you're forming what you think but you're you can't quite you don't have words to describe it and when i read her from margin to center um, I was like, this is it. This is how I feel. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that I felt was missing, I was like, it's perfect, except she's missing that animal link. I felt like she's naming everything except yeah. the animal. And I, and I, you know, I've been to some of her lectures mm-hmm. and I tried to raise it um, when there was like a questions period, a questions and answers period. Um, and she just didn't, did not want to connect with it at all. And, didn't, I, and I, don't, I, don't, I just don't think she did connect to it. Yeah, I noticed this with a lot of the, um, a lot of my mentors who are black feminists. Yeah. June Jordan, Audre Lorde, mm. Bell Hooks, uh, Audrey and, and June both passed away from cancer. And I always think wow. a lot of these women were so into black radical feminism, really saw all the links except when it suddenly came to the diet. Right. And um, it's funny you mentioned Bell because I'm actually going to contribute a piece to the Bell Hooks companion reader that comes oh, really? out this year. And nice. I'm actually going to look at how we can make connections to decolonizing the diet and oh, Bell wow. Hooks and you know how it's connected to non-human animal oppression, just everything. So that's very exciting. So I was surprised that the, my proposal was actually accepted. Yeah. I wasn't sure, but it looks like I made the connections in a way that Hopefully, when people read it, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll be able to add that piece that Bell Hooks hasn't completely engaged in yet. Yeah. 
All right, Belle, you heard her. <laughs> you heard it here. No, I'm not going to attack her. I'm just going to let people know that, you know, we're gonna, I'm going to no, take her theories of decolonization and bring it to the nutritional liberation level and non-human animal level and just kind of bring everything she talks about together that it's yeah. all connected. So. That's yeah. great. We had I another experience like that with Alice Walker, too. Oh, that was, yeah, but we won't go there. Uh, what happened? She well we you know there's that the quote famous quote the famous quote by Alice Walker mm-hmm. that's a vegetarian quote that, so uh, yeah so we were are no more made for men than yeah. animals yeah are. she knows it. Yeah. so well our <laughs> listeners might not oh okay. I may not but I do. thanks for taking me <laughs> I was doing it for the listeners okay we'll say it for the listeners then do do you know it I don't know it by I can't do it verbatim yeah. Derek can it's you do some, it well it's it's about like that women were no more made than or animals were no more made for for humans. humans. To, to eat and then women were made for men or blacks right. for whites so um so we were really excited because we went to go hear her speak and we were it, it was must have been a, like hunt many hundreds of people maybe yeah, thousand the, the people Springfield civic center and we were like so do you want to you know comment on your vegetarianism and and then she got up and said well i have to state that i'm actually not a vegetarian anymore and it was it was a little then she started spouting off all these justifications for eating chicken and it was. A, it was. Are you serious? It was yeah, very, it was, it was very a, disheartening. It was a long. It was actually it was in Springfield when we first moved. Yeah, to it was probably area. seven years ago. Yeah. I hate well, to I say it. I wonder if you've gotten back into it. Uh, well, has, have you been in contact with her? No, unfortunately, because I always thought that I would love for her to write the preface to my anthology. Well, you, you better well, you get on her. Definitely. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I, I don't know what the situation is now. I just, I just know that that at that point she, she broke had, our heart. She wasn't, and so I actually, yeah, I. I contacted one organization because she was on the board of a vegan organization. And I said, it is, you know, kind of like what's going on. But it was, yeah, it was hard. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. It would be nice to just talk to her and to see why. Because yeah. I know a lot of people do veganism regardless of race, ethnicity, and then they'll get out of it. Right. And a lot of times I think it's, a lot of people have told me it's just, you know, they said they started getting sick or they were deficient in something. Yeah. And I try to explain to them, well, what were you deficient in? And this is what you eat to not be right. deficient exactly. in. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. were you doing it in a healthy way? And were yeah. you eating greens every day? And yeah. That's so. interesting. I would love to just know. I mean, I think she's one of the many reasons why I did transition into veganism. Just well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, that, that quote being used has obviously done great things for our movement, even even if she no longer subscribes to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good, I mean. But, um, so um, do you want to talk a little about the um, Dreaded Comparison book? That's the only animal rights book I know of that's dealt with this subject so far in detail. Yeah. Um, let's see. I read this, what, like two years ago. Um, and it's, uh, what was it called? The Dreaded Comparison on Human and Animal Slavery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I loved that the connections were made and I don't think it was so dreaded I mean she did it in a way that wasn't offensive and it was very easily accessible and just showing that you know if you look at the larger picture of oppression um, whether it's human beings being oppressed or animals being oppressed all comes from the same mentality and mindset and um, I was just blown away by like the pictures in the book Um, I also read I think at the same time Eternal Treblinka oh yeah that's another Holocaust book yeah, and, and I think um, Patterson brings in a few things about African slavery as well. Um, but with dreaded comparison, like, I don't know if readers have read this. I mean, readers, audience members have read this book. Uh, but if people are interested in trying to get a better argument for why people should consider vegetarianism or veganism, this book is, I think, does a really good job. And I'm trying to use a lot of... Um, a lot of what she says in the book to have a better argument and model when I approach um, people in, in the black community about this. And it's, um, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, how can you compare me to an animal? And then other people are like, oh, I never really thought about it that the way. The elite so do. Huh? <laughs> the elitists do. Yeah. So. You know, we are just animals so to it's, them. So it's really interesting. And then I started trying to talk about speciesism where, you know, humans think they're better than anything else. Um, and it's it's hard, but I think the book really has helped me better form my arguments and create better models mm-hmm. for when I eventually get to the point where I can publish my sister vegan anthology and approach the black community 
to consider these diets, not necessarily first for animals, but first for their own health and then connected to, you know, your, your health is suffering in the same way that animals that are being exploited are suffering type of thing. Right. So that's so... When, so when you're saying when you approach the black community, you do it first through your first argument is through health, and then you feel like then when you get more comfortable, then you can kind of start bringing in other Yeah, because that's, that's what I feel like that's what I feel would be the best way to approach first. Mm-hmm. Like first you do the health, and then you connect how legacies of colonialism and slavery have affected your health today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and a lot of, I guess most blacks um, in this country, of course, they want to make sure that they don't have to deal with racism like that's mm-hmm. something that we want to fight against and if you can connect racism to the diet and you connect racism and diet to the mistreatment of animals i think it will work better as a model an mm-hmm. effective model um, for the black community as opposed to just approaching and saying you know you should be doing this for the rights of animals because like, right. i honestly think one it's offensive and two the health really is priority first at least in the black community because mm-hmm. of the health disparities. Right. Yeah, I think there's a point to be made that uh, basically the oppression of animals is how they keep in practice. <laughs> While they're not oppressing people, they're at least keeping in practice. Keeping in practice? Just for, you know, for their future plans. Oh, future plans, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know, wouldn't want to be bad oppressors when, when that time comes. Yeah. But it's, it's really complex, but um, mm-hmm. I'm just learning a lot. I've got about 90 women on a Yahoo group Sister Vegan Yahoo wow. group, and we talk, and uh, we've had the group going since April, and the conversations are just amazing. And I have to admit, once again, just the element of being black and female and what that means in America really has constructed our experiences of veganism much differently than that of white middle class Americans. And just mm-hmm. you know, it's just the identity, identity politics, all that plays into many of what many things that we do. Um, and I just I hope this book will definitely just give a more diverse perspective and help a lot of people who might not consider themselves black but still want to engage in more diverse ways of approaching veganism and approach communities that are not them, but approach them in a way that's not offensive. So um, is there any estimated release date for this? I'm hoping the end of 2007 because I'm still gathering voices. Um, I think I've done an extension for the call for papers six times now, but (laughs) finally I've gotten about 40 pieces and I'm extending it to December of this year, so I'm going to start reading them. I imagine they'll have something out next year. Oh, great. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm really excited about it. So. <laughs> well, we, we have a link to your website on our show notes. Um, it's a little bit of a hard URL to remember. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, the tripod. Dot. Oh, actually, I have that one's just my overall research, but um, you can put the SISTA, it's called SISTAveganproject.com. Oh, really? And it's SISTA with an H. S I S T is in Tom A H project. Wait, wait, sorry. Sisterveganproject.com. All right. Well, we'll put that in our show notes too. Um, okay, and I'll email you just so you can get the right spelling in case I went through it too quickly. Yeah. Any any websites you talked about? Give us an email so we can put them in our show notes. Okay. Um, any last comments before we wrap up? Uh, well, um, if there's black identified females or females of the African diaspora practicing veganism out there and you want to share your stories, please share. I mean, I'm taking poetry, I'm taking narratives. You can do critical essays, however you want to convey your experience. Um, just try to get it in by December 1st, 2006. And um, if you go to the website of this radio station and go see my link and click on that, you can get more information about it. Excellent. And that's www.veganradio.com. All right, Amy, well, thanks so much. This has been really informative and great interview. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Take care, okay? Great luck with your project. Okay, thanks. Bye. 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 All right, listeners, that's it for today's show. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Oh, it's all over. (laughs) It's been a really great show, and... uh, Hopefully Derek can go chew on some bark in the corner now. Yeah, I need to, I need to decompress. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll see you. Uh, our next show, as we mentioned at the beginning, is our 25th show. It's our one-year anniversary of Vegan Radio being on the air, and that night we're having a party at Evolution Cafe in Florence. We hope all our local listeners will be there. And Kenneth Williams, the vegan, vegan bodybuilder. Megan's very infatuated the hunk, with. The hunky vegan bodybuilder will be <laughs> speaking on Vegan Radio October 26th and will be at the party. All right. And next up we have Jay Deacon with Spirit. You're listening to 
WXOJLP Northampton Valley Free Radio 103.3 FM. Go vegan. Go vegan.
Yeah, I'll see you again.